I have my hat because it's raining and I walk through the rain uh, from Penn Station to get here. So it's yeah, not, it's not a. Is it, you you come in nice on the, you come in on the train. How long does that take? I take the train in. Uh, it takes like forty minutes. That's not the thing. The thing yeah. is, from the train to here, yeah. you have to walk. Yeah, it's like I don't do subways, so that's not a far walk. It's just not a pleasant walk. Yeah. You walk yeah. through Herald Square, Times Square, all the things you don't want to walk through. So that's that's the thing for me. Hey, I know we're not going to talk a lot about sports, but I see Nugget with a Celtics shirt on from time to time. Is yeah. he a Celtics fan? No, he's so Justin is into players. Okay, individual players. Okay, so he likes Tatum. He likes Tatum. He doesn't care what team he okay, plays on. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I find the the young kids. A lot of them are like that. The young boys don't care about. They don't teams care the about, way we did. Gotcha. They do, but it's not as intense. Yeah, they they fall in love with players on social media. And then no matter what team that player plays for, they're into it. Is he a Knicks fan? Like, he's a Kawhi fan. Okay. So it doesn't matter what team Kawhi is on. Yeah. That's what he wants gotcha. to do. So, gotcha. yeah, he's a Knicks fan. I mean, he has no choice. Yeah, No, he's got no choice. Dude, how's your daughter doing? So she, uh, when COVID hit, uh, so she was at Boston Ballet as a apprentice. Oh, wow. And uh, so she danced forever. But when it hit, she said, Dad, I'm out. So she ended oh, up. She going, was already in back in America in Boston. For yeah. This? So yeah, she was at Amsterdam for a couple of years. A Dutch national. Then she was back in Boston for a couple of years, and then this happened, and she said, "I think, I think that's it." So she's at BU. Yeah. Okay. So she's still in Boston. We're heading up this weekend. What's she taking in school? So she had a sports psychologist while she was in ballet, which was really helpful. They beat you up. I mean, not just your body, but you know your noggin as well. Mm -hmm. And she loved this woman. And she said, you know what? I've been through it. I think I can help people. And it means something to her. So, you know, anyway. So that's like as red hot of a discipline as there is. Like, you yeah. think about with, like, uh, the gymnast and Osaka. Like, a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, there's this huge awakening about, like, the, Mental health, the psychological right? impact yeah. of competing at that level. Yeah. Um, I told her, I said, you can practice on your parents. Like, we're a mess. <laughs> so that's, all right, so that's great that she found what she wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's, through ballet, there's so much discipline. Mm. She laughs at the kids that aren't paying attention and stuff like that. So right. it's been it's been great. And we're well, really I was a ballerina, so I do, like, I can relate to that. I totally understand. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So. That's amazing that she was able on your feet. to do that, so, though, for the so amount of years that she did it. You're, la you're going to laugh, but. Um, you've been to the Nutcracker before? Have you been to the Nutcracker? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know Mother Ginger, the big lady, fat lady that comes out on stage, and there are uh, little girls that are coming out from under who start dancing around. Okay, I I don't, but I'm sure I've seen. I don't okay. remember. All right, so I know we're not being recorded right now, so we are. <laughs> Wait, is that your daughter? That's me. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> How? You, you had to fill in for, for uh, yeah. Okay. There's this guy who was a cop, and okay. he pulled me aside one day and said, "Hey, look, um, I got a promotion. That's the good news. The bad news is I got to work some nights. Can you take my shift for three nights on the on the ballet? And that the rest is history. Come on. So I got you know. I, now I'm. Was she in it with you? Yeah. She was in the show with you. She's in. She was in. It's so like playing. Oh, that's amazing. Coaching the kids. I would have done that for my kid. And, basketball and baseball, you know, it's a lot, but you don't get to do anything with your daughter that dances ballet. 
But I do. Dude is running wow. for father of the yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely you won. unrecognizable. You won. That's crazy. You won. You won. Father of the year. You got it. Don't worry about it. Well, now she's out of this ballet company, and uh, every year the Nutcracker comes up, and I see that they're tryouts, and I said to my wife, I said, I'm, I'm heading back. Goes, Get in on it. You, you I played play this role. You're done. <laughs> Did you have to move around or you just had to kind of come out and... They put you on this metal thing and then there are two guys behind you that kind of move you out there. Oh, they're working and, you. And then there are eight little girls <laughs> that come out and they dance and you, you do the arms okay. back and forth and okay. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe you'll demonstrate th that yeah. for us. So, you know, a lot of skill. I mean, you could learn and I think it's coming up. They need people. What? You I could, could jump in. Oh, yeah. I'm not busy, so yeah. <laughs> that actually makes part that actually makes perfect sense. What's the name of the character? Big Ginger? Mother Ginger. <laughs> you can call her Big Ginger. That's fine. Josh, you can play Big Ginger. I could be Big I Ginger. I had so much fun. I grabbed the URL. I am Mother like Ginger. Literally a big ginger. <laughs> it's too much of a It's a little that's a little too spot on. I don't know, maybe after like half a bottle of this. Maybe I'll do it. So Tom's a, ba a ballerina now. Your daughter was, right? No, but Tom too now. I couldn't. You must show him the photo. She, uh, she got, she got too much notoriety, and I figured else? I've got, I got certain skills I need to share. I'll put her in her place. Yeah, exactly. So, so what else are you doing while you're here? Uh, so wealthy's What's tomorrow, up? and then oh, I mean wealthy tonight, Good and then catch. we're going up to um, uh, Boston tomorrow. Okay. So uh, one of my goddaughters is getting married on Saturday. Going to see mom and dad. They live on the South Shore. So we'll get some time with them on Sunday and then back on Sunday night. It's a quick one. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was down the Jersey Shore. Weather was great. Who sent this to you? Remember this? Yeah, who is that guy? That's this guy. Do you, do you know who that is? No, Cameron Pope? Yeah. What does he want? Nothing. He was oh. just he was just saying we're going to the wealthies. He won a few years ago. Do you ever win anything at the wealthies? No, I'm a judge. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Tom, you know Cameron Pope? Name's familiar. No. He won so, a few years ago with Josh. So what's the criteria? What's he do? What's he do? He's, he's, he was the CEO of the year. What does he do? Uh, Co-butler. Huh. So it's, it's a house cleaning service. What for, is excellent. For, for RAs. <laughs> house cleaning for RAs. What is the criteria that you judge on uh, at the wealthies? Because you can't know all these companies. So the good thing is they have a lot of judges, like a dozen, and then they'll chop them up, and they're in all different areas of finance. So I'll get things like mutual funds and ETFs. Okay. And all those cat, uh, categories. Okay. And then we'll have a team of maybe three or four. And we'll get them down to a certain number, and then we'll push them out to the other judges, and then they vote. So it's we are there to kind of clean up the stuff that comes in that shouldn't be okay. there. So it's, like, it's, like, it's like equally weighted? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Nobody wins that doesn't buy a table, right? Oh, no. No, 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 no. It's that's, like the Oscars. That's, Same it's, thing. It's, uh, they, they'll sell a table to anybody. They'll sell they still have tables. Oh, open. I know. They, they try to sell me a table. Yeah. But I'm saying if I yeah. don't buy a no. table, I can't win anything. No, they there. won't call up and say, you really should be there. You wink, really wink. should buy a table. They don't do that. Yeah, yeah but it's implied. It's the implication. Uh, like, no, no, no. Because they want everyone, everyone who throws in a nomination. Mm. They want them to be there just for the suspense. It's not a bad, it's a good night. I Are mean, there any new awards? I've been there. All the time. I've been there twice. Yeah. Best blockchain of the year? There are too many awards. Let's just say that. There are too many. There, there's a lot of awards. It goes on for it a It goes on for time. a long, long period hey, of time. Is it, is it gala or gala? Gala. 
gala? How do you pronounce How do it? They, I think people say like gala apples. What do gala. they say? I've heard it for the Met. For the Met, what is the it? Met gala? Gala. I've heard gala. It's gala. It's gala. Yeah. I've yeah. also heard gala or gala. But I think That's gala actually, is the apple. Gala is the event. I like honey crisp apples. That's You're going next week. But I'm Canadian, so we say everything weird. The A. No, gala, that's, how, that's how I would say it. That's yeah, how Met I've heard gala. it. Met Gala. I didn't know the apples gala were pronounced apples. differently. I didn't know the apples were pronounced differently. It's just when he says it, it sounds like the apple. What did you say? Gala? Gala? Gala, gala apple. Gala? The Met Gala. Met Gala? Uh, it gala. Could, or it could be <laughs> one of those things where it's where it's either or. Well, it's the A is different on the West Coast to the East Coast. That's true. Canada. That's, in Canada. I was called I was called Liana my whole life in California and in Vancouver. And I moved here and now my name is Liana. How well, do you call what do you call yourself? What do you call yourself? Liana, but I, I always like, say Liana. But I like Liana. Mm. So it do you sounds want, it royal. sounds exotic. Do you want to roll with royal. that today? Yeah. Liana? Liana, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you have any preferences? Do you want to be <laughs> Thomas or um, TT? Yeah, I was thinking uh <laughs> DJ Gold. DJ Gold. Okay. I think we'll stay with Tom. <laughs> Fellas, how are we doing? Last minute preparation, setting up my Rubik's Cube. I appreciate that. Okay. It's the second one that really gets you. Bang. The third one hits different. Oh, there's no third one? There we go. Welcome to the Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Dollar. It is not every day that you see a company and you say, wow, what a great idea. This is going to be huge. That was Ben and I's reaction after we spoke with Henry Yoshida a few weeks ago on Animal Spirits. Henry is the founder and CEO of Rocket Dollar. So what this company does is they allow you to invest in alternative assets using tax-sheltered vehicles like an IRA. What is an alternative asset? It's anything that you cannot buy at TD Ameritrade or wherever your brokerage account is. So anything that's not a stock, that's not a bond. So for example, crypto or art or venture capital, anything. And the best part about Rocket Dollar is that you can bring your own deal. So if you have a buddy who's starting a, a venture fund or is investing in a real estate project and wants, and wants some money that you want to give him. So if you've got just a Roth IRA lying around that's just investing in index funds and you've got enough of that, Rocket Dollar is the place for you. So visit rocketdollar.com to learn more. Oh my God, we're back. We're back. We took off last week. Did you, did you miss uh, doing the show last week? Wait, was that last week or the week before? Yeah, we didn't have one last week. I said to John, I feel like it's been three weeks since we've done this. No, we did have one last we, week. Amelia was last week. Amelia was oh, last I'm week. I'm thinking, we didnn't have, what are your thoughts? You guys smoking That's, weed before we start taping? Is that what's going we on? We didn't have, what are your thoughts? That's what it was. John and I were just speaking about that. This is a tough time of year. Like, people are away. People are doing stuff. Today is August 37th. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Liana is back. She wants to be referred to as Liana, which sounds <laughs> slightly more exotic. 
not with my accent, but if a normal person says Liana, yeah, it's okay. But she likes it. But you grew up as Liana. Yeah, that's okay. the West Coast way. Is Liana moved to New York? Now my name is Liana, and I sound like I'm South American. Liana's kind of like badass. It. Yeah, I like it's it. like a little. It's a, it's like a little bit more exotic. She is very exotic. She's exotic. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, guys. You're exotic. No, I'm a slug. Mama Ginger. What we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm exotic. I got an email today. Hello, Michael Henry Batnick. Really? No. One of your in. best friends? Where Fold. do they steal your data from? Yeah. Uh, Tom Lydon is here. Tom, is, is your first time? Maybe your it last is. time it's even. It's my virgin uh, We'll see experience. if you have fun or, or yeah. not. But uh, this is, uh, I think it's your first time on the channel, period. Right? It is. You ever did any like, yeah. YouTube with us? Podcast? Nothing? I wasn't allowed in the building. No. Okay. Well, you and I have done a ton of stuff together over the years. I've, I've been at all your conferences. The first thing I want to ask you is, what are what is your company called now? I feel like... There have been a series of transactions, and you keep getting richer. No, but no, I no, no. but I am now losing track of like where to email you. It's, I think I'm three companies behind. It's ETF Ameritrade, right? No, yeah. What right. are you? No, ETF Trends and ETF Database. Still, my partner and I, Tom Hendrickson, 100 doing that. Yeah, but, but okay, we, but you just gave me two. All right. But then your email address is a third name. Is ETF? Yeah, flows. ETF flows. So that what? was that was. I know, I know. That was that's the parent company of Trends and Database, and you're, what you're referring to is, we were just acquired by Alarian. Alarian has the Josh, hit the, hit yeah. the, hit the yeah, applause. No, we're very proud of you. Thanks. When I saw that news, I said, "Oh my God, this guy is just it. it does, the, the train just keeps rolling for this no, guy." No, it's 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 a really exciting uh, partnership because now we have indexing capabilities, and we get so much great information from. Trusted advisors that come to us on a regular basis, what they like, what they don't like, the relationship we have with issuers. And now we can kind of sit down with them and say, hey, you're really good in this area, but your lineup of ETFs might be a little say softer. Say to who? Say to the, the ETF to the issuers, companies. Right. Because okay. the advisors, that you know when they want something, they want it now. And there are a lot of those big companies out there that want to continue to be competitive. So we're going through all the stuff and hopefully bringing the good stuff to the top. So what is the combined company called? Is it ETF flows or will be right now? We're part of Alarian indexes. Okay. So you, so it's not a sub company. It's Alarian indexes. No. And, okay. and ETF trends and ETF database. They have strong brands. Yeah. You're going to leave those brands. We're leave them separate. Right. Okay. Got it. And, and Nodig is still around. Dave he Nodig? is. He's okay. more handsome than ever. Isn't I mean, he? the two of you guys like your ETF God, he's ETF King. You guys just own the space. And Balchunas is like reporting on you guys. Yeah. He probably like every time you guys get rebought out again, he's sitting there like, why, why aren't I the third amigo? Well, Nodig and I keep saying, we got to get Batnick on board and then we'll do Blue Man Group. Oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Me, you and Nodig? Yeah. I'm in. And, Tobi <laughs> and Tobias. All right. Tobias, he has hair. All right. So if you missed the joke. I, uh, I got the joke. Wait. So we're going to start. We're going to start where we should. Which is global ETF assets hitting nine trillion? Did the, Liana? Do these numbers even surprise you anymore? Given no. like how closely you watch the industry, they don't surprise me. I mean, obviously, Tom is more the expert in the ETF space than I am, but I'm not surprised. I mean, especially in the last couple of years with the retail flows and Robinhood, and it's not all meme traders. There's a lot of millennials and Gen Zs that are just investing for the long term, and that's obviously what I advised by in my book and on Instagram and stuff. So they don't get a lot of attention. Oh, do I own ETFs? Yeah. yeah, of course. I think probably 40% of my portfolio is really? ETFs. Yeah. But yeah. you're you're an alts you're an alts girl at heart. Yeah, I mean like business wise, doing business development marketing for alts is where yeah. I started. But from a consumer and retail investor perspective, I think ETFs are amazing. 
You can do passive investing, active with the thematic plays, get exposure to some of those things that young investors might have thrown money at as a gamble, but you can go in on an ETF in robotics or cloud or whatever stuff you're interested in, gaming, and get exposure to a whole bunch of different things. So I love ETFs, big fan. So young investors, obviously, they're doing crypto and NFTs, but do you think when they're not telling their friends, they're really doing ETFs? Too? Is that what it is now? Like ETFs are supposed to be boring? We know they, they are, are boring. So boring. They're, they're boring, but we also know like from Vanguard's flows, Guys. as much money went into Robinhood, like an equal amount or more went into ETFs. So Balchun has tweeted this chart. I think this is from Sarah Fagus at Bloomberg. So this is ETF flows by issuer. And look at Vanguard. This is this is 2021. The pink line with pink line with four months to go, it's demolished all records. And I, this really did surprise me because I was talking to, with Ben about this. What did you think that like advisors that were going to leave Merrill, they've probably already done it. Yeah. Wouldn't you think the same thing with like active to passive? How are people still leaving active to go passive? It's How new, is there still new, so much money? Because it's not existing investment money. Dude, that's, that's new that's, money. That has to yeah. be. You don't think that's like just new money people are earning coming into the market? I, the if I time? had to, if I had to guess, I would say thirty percent new money. Yeah. I am making that up. I, I sent you over the chart that Dave Nodig put together, and you, you guys might be able to throw that up. Can you? Is you this it? it? Nope. The next one. There we go. Okay, so Dave's been doing this chart for ten years, and this is mutual funds versus ETFs, and as far as catching up. Now, obviously, that's a hockey stick. But look at mutual funds. It's and not how going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And where's most of the money? To find benefit for it. 401ks. 401ks. Tom, this is trillion. On the, yep. Okay, so 15 trillion in mutual funds has been the case. For forever. But wait, hold on. Keep in mind, this this chart is projecting out to 2030. So you have, to, you have to rewind a little yeah. bit. Okay, but let's but say th since, This is happening. This is going to happen. Since 17, mutual funds have been steady at 15 trillion. ETFs in that same period of time, it looks like, have gone from 3 trillion to- what is that? What is the number we think it's going to go to? Is that is twenty-seven that trillion? trillion? By by twenty thirty, and Dave's been he's been on this for like seven or ten years, and he's been right. The crazy thing there, when you look at the mutual fund money, that's been growing during times when the market's been really good. Just to be able to keep up, you have to have twenty percent. Appreciation in the market. Had, which right? had. If I yeah. back out four hundred one k assets, that That's mutual it. fund number is not going to look great. No, but right? this, this also makes sense in terms of younger people being freelancers and gig workers. Like, if you're creating your own portfolio. That's not guided in a 401k plan with mutual funds. You're just going to buy ETFs. Right. If it's an IRA and you're self-directed, like yeah. you're doing your own thing. That's what people are doing on E-Trade, Robinhood, like people my age and younger. Do you find younger people are still participating fully in 401k plans? Up to the match point. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's what's advisable. Get the free money and then do the rest on your own. But you tell them to hit on the gas, right? Well, yeah. Again, up, up to the match point, get the free money and then go do your other investing through ETFs. So if you have a 4% match, but you could put up to 10% in, you're saying 4%. Tom, hit the mic. Yeah, four, because you'll probably, I mean, you're probably going to be paying more in fees in your 401k, of course, right? So it makes more sense mathematically to put the rest of the money. If you want to do 10% of your yeah. income into your saving and investing, then do it, do the, the rest of the six on your own somewhere else. The good thing in 401k plans, you do have a lot of index choices. It's not like they're all actively managed. The fees are lower, yeah. that type of thing. Look like better than they used to be. $150 billion in assets. How much of that is in 401ks? Is that 90%. The, is that one of the top five U.S. Has active equity has funds? Has it has to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. 75% of every dollar going into Fidelity funds 
it goes into four hundred one k plans. Yeah, that's new what money, I, that's what I would, that's what I would assume. Yeah, uh, and and there's a very good reason why the technology has not really caught up to what's going on on the brokerage side, like so that you it's harder to say to a four hundred one k platform, my contribution this month is a thousand dollars. Break that up into eight ETFs. The computer won't automatically do that for you. Like that's, I mean, to me, that's what's keeping the 40 act funds alive. Do I have that right? You're right. And you think, man, we could put a man on the moon in 1968. Why can't we get ETFs? We could land a rocket <laughs> intact. Elon Musk just land, or who just did that? Yeah. Bezos. We're like launching rockets and landing them and we can't have a 401k platform break the money up amongst ETFs. <laughs> Like I find that do, fascinating. Do you think one side might be a little motivated? Correct. No. <laughs> there's there's one mutual fund that's active in the top twenty. It's the American Growth Fund. It's almost yeah. three hundred billion dollars. That makes sense. That's, that's Ed, the biggest. That's, one. that's Ed Jones Brokers knocking on yeah. doors. Okay. And that's Capital Group that's finally coming out with their own ETFs in February of next year. So the last <laughs> wow. holdout. Yeah. Well, Dimensional Dimensional did last year. Yeah. What so about robos? Do you, do you guys know, Tom, do you know what the split is of money going into ETFs through robo-advisors? Um, the amount of money in robos? I think it's a drop in the bucket. It's small. But yeah, but they're they're all you, ETFs. Yeah, but. yeah. But even if you include Schwab Intelligent Portfolios, Vanguard, uh, it's not that small. It's so, be- so, right. If you all in... Is it what? Five hundred billion. Okay, so here, so here's where it gets tricky. Like Wealthfront has the Wealthfront five hundred, yeah. and they're buying you individual stocks. Like they're not necessarily defaulting into a Vanguard ETF. Well, well, once once they get you in, they're going to start trying to move outside of core ETFs because there's a little bit more money in there for them, right? Yeah. Well, we know that because well, it, like they're they're uh, <laughs> they're uh, the risk parity risk parity sure. fund. Yeah. Every time they do that, Jason's wife gets a new uh, article to write. So we know they're going to do that. Uh, net flows so far this year have nearly eclipsed the 736 billion investors moved into ETFs last year. So if you thought last year was the year of the individual investor coming into the market, this year is already bigger, and it's early September. So did anyone expect this? Like like from all the ETF strategists that you talked to. So the big the big difference is last year there was more money going into fixed income ETFs than going into equity. And this year it's a fraction of that amount, rightly so. And mm-hmm. hopefully we'll talk about that as well. But um and it's not all about Kathy Wood, it's not all right. about thematics. It's about the same old consistent core, Michael. You know, you it's the vanguards of the world that continue to kill it with core positions. And ad- advisors are continuing to add those to their clients. As you talk about breakaway brokers that maybe had commission products, they're coming over and repositioning in ETFs. It well. does help, though, that the biggest positions in the most plain vanilla ETFs are the best stocks on earth. Like, it helps that it's Microsoft, Google, Apple. Like, these are these five stocks are like 25% of the S&P. Well, like, that, it helps. That's a big thing. And, you know... You probably know when talking to investors, they're probably buying the S&P. And the S&P has been really tough to beat in the last 10 years, right? Well, and that's, the I think, the difference between last year and this year is that last year it was all growth, at-home plays, and there was, like, specific things like the Kathy Wood stuff that was working very well. But this year it's just sort of back to, like, what you were saying, market fundamentals and long-term investing, what works. And so it's kind of a little bit all over the map. Yeah. So you talk about diversifying. 
and you talk about the FANG stocks that now are 25% in the S&P 500, the top 10 stocks in the NASDAQ 100 40, are 50, 50. 50 <laughs> yeah. percent crazy, right? So we all want to be in those next, next FANG stocks. So with these thematics and Kathy Wood, it offers up that opportunity, but people aren't moving fast enough to diversify. Because I mean, do you think that the FANG stocks are going to be the leaders in the next 10 years? Are, the equal, are the equal weight funds benefiting from that phenomenon that people are looking for more diversification, but they still want an index approach? Price-wise, they look good. I'll tell you right now. I, w- I would just say this. If, if you're looking to diversify away from FANGs, you don't go to equal weight S&P, although it's a great product. How about this interesting? What, so, you go, so you go to active? You go, you go to Kathy Wood or you go to thematics, that dis, disruptive technology space, because they're the new, te- they're the new sectors, right? It, Some it, of those will become the new FANGs, but most of them won't. But, but you think about these technologies, um, the fact that you know EV – Robotics, it's those are huge industries and they're going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Buying a technology, SP 500, I mean, I'm sorry, a spider like X- technology, XLK, XLK, is, XLK, right? You're not getting those, you're stocks. not getting those. No, so you know what's taking a ton of money? First Trust, they're all over the place. Yeah, the QQEW, the NASDAQ 100 equal weight, that's the purple bar. Yeah, look, look at that chart, yeah. taking in a ton of assets, it's 1.4 billion dollars. The blue bar down there is Crane Shares, the uh, KARS. I'm sure you're familiar with that. The the electric vehicle ETF. They have 270 million dollars, and they were basically up from zero. I put this chart global equity funds because this is crazy to me. So I'm just going to read the ca- where where did this come from? This came from John Street Capital. John Street Capital wrote this, was, for, but was I, this the, his chart, or we don't know? Uh, it came from Goldman Sachs, but this is from uh, the Everything Bubble. He wrote that for FTX. All right. So as of early August, global equity funds have seen. $605 billion of inflows year-to-date, or $1.015 trillion annualized, equating to $4 billion a day. Global equity funds had seen $727 billion of cumulative inflows over the last 25 years. So from 1996 to 2020, that's the cumulative. 2021 is going to be 40% higher than the prior 25 years combined. Safe to say this is never going to happen again. It's not going to be repeated next if year. We no, get no stimulus from the federal government again. It will. If let's hope savings there's not a need rates, for cash. It. Like that's you know that's obviously I would say representative of why there's a lot of money going into the market. I mean, to me, people that wouldn't have been involved. To me, prior to COVID. we used to have these conversations like, are the millennials ever going to invest? Remember all the content like they just hate stocks or they just don't want to be investors or they think it's too risky. That disappeared in one year. Like, yeah. And then has reversed to this extent. Well, I guess, yeah, when you have extra money in your pocket from the, the government gave you, maybe it's a good idea to start investing then. But obviously just like the interest around, I think that's why the meme stocks and everything that's gone on in the last year is great because at least it's getting people interested and they're opening accounts, making mistakes, losing a little bit of money, but they're in now. One of the things that I think kept people out was the lack of a place to experiment and look stupid without mm-hmm. other people looking. Like if your only option was like go on Schwab and try to learn all this terminology, it was probably like easier to just be like, "Eh, I'll deal with it when I'm an adult, like a 25-year-old saying, I'll deal with it when I grow up. Prior to that, your only option was the way I learned, which is call your dad's broker at Merrill and have him make you feel like an idiot for asking like the most basic questions. That's what I was doing in 1997 when I was 20. That's how you started. Well, I was studying for my Series 7. Yeah. And I had like bar mitzvah money and I had to call Jerry 
And Jerry, Merrill Lynch. Jerry was at my fifth birthday party. So, <laughs> so I had to call was Jerry. he condescending? Not on purpose, yeah. but it's like almost like by default when, when a 20-year-old wants to be taken seriously yeah. by a 50-year-old. Like it's definitely going to be a condescending situation. When did you take the money away from Jerry and do it yourself? Oh, I lost it when I took it to zero. Jerry didn't have to worry about it anymore. Neither did I. This was the <laughs> dot-com uh, bubble. Okay. That's the best money I ever lost, by the way. Yeah. I think the two most influential investors for retail over the last 50 years are John Bogle and Dave Portnoy. Like, I, I really do think that people being home with their Robinhood accounts, yeah. I think that he was hugely influential in getting people into the market. I really do. Yeah. So it's, it's funny you mention that. I would, I would put, say uh, Ramp Capital and Portnoy. I don't think young people know who ba Bogle is. We know who he is. I don't think the typical new investor so, knows. So you look at the money in the ETFs, and we haven't had any rock stars. You know, in the mutual fund area, we had, what, ben, uh, Bill Miller, Peter Lynch. There were a lot of rock stars. We have Kathy Wood. That's we have it. Kathy Wood, That's right? It. I'm going to interview her next uh, early November yeah. at Cheryl Penny's conference for um, Dynasty. What's if if you could give me one question to ask her live in front of an audience of RIAs? What what should I ask her? So the big thing I think is um, her research and her conviction because she does have a long term time frame. She has and, guts, and she just doesn't care the the daily, the weekly, the monthly moves. She just doesn't care. It it doesn't. Uh, you know, we work with them really closely. So what? So what's the question? Why are you so gully? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't understand how. Like, a, how are you such a badass? How, how is your How is your bear case on Tesla two trillion dollars? I'll ask her that. Was, isn't that what it was? I've, I'll hundred percent. I yeah. think. I think that's the part about her that bothers you the most. Yeah, is a statement that is like obviously to me, it's hyperbole. There's zero. But you're not taking it that way. There's no. It's not hyperbole. There's there's to me there's like zero humility, and I think that's what rubs people the wrong way. Is if the base case is three trillion and the bull case is four trillion, how is the bear case two trillion? <laughs> yeah, for Tesla's valuation. How, how could the bear so case for will Tesla eventually be the biggest ever, stock in the world? As we keep calling her on it, will eventually be right. I don't know if ever. One other point is deflation. She thinks we're in a deflationary mode, and when it when, because, her, technology because technology is deflationary, I think she's one hundred percent right about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I've got her in four days at Salt for an interview, so oh, give me a heads cool. up if you. Yeah. Oh, you're interviewing you can her. Finalize a couple of questions for me, Tom. Yeah, no, hold on, awesome. you're interviewing her before me. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Don't take that Sorry. question. <laughs> she was the priority. <laughs> no, <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. I'm no, saying you're talking to her before <laughs> I'm talking to her. Exactly. Okay. Um, I'll be at Salt too. By the way, I know you're not sticking around for that. I'm not. No, I, I, oh, it's going to be so no. good. Yeah, the chain smokers are performing Tuesday night. Finance That's, is. I could see fun. you. I could see you being. I could see you being into chain smokers. I like chain smokers. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. They got some joints. It's going to be yeah. a little marquee party of all the finance folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, well, I actually saw them a couple months ago at the Fountain Blue in Miami. So what do they do? They press play on the laptop and then they, yeah, they go they out back and smoke dance around a lot of bubbles and a lot of lights and right. people are up and, you know. I'm incredible musicians. It is. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, it's going to be fun. What did you want to tell us about target date funds? I'm fascinated by target date funds. They are the most successful per, uh, product that nobody has any respect for. Right. But you, I think you're talking about drift here. Well, you're so right. There's so much money in target date funds. And when, you, when we talked before about mm -hmm. people putting money in their 401k, well, I don't know. I'm going to talk to a friend. And then you shoot yourself in the foot. Oh, the easy thing to do is just pick the target date. Yeah. Well, the target date is for when you retire. And if you're retiring in 2030, 
Right now, if you looked at that portfolio, it's half in bonds. Do you want to be half in bonds? And guess what? There's probably a good chance if you retire in 2030 at 65 or 70, you might live another 10, 20, 30 years. Do you really want to be You're, half in right. bonds? If you, if you have a 2030 target date fund, how old are you? 58? If you have nine years, nobody yeah. know how this works. About that. Well, twenty thirty is what? 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 what nine years. So you're what retiring years? at sixty-seven. It's nine years from now, and you think you're retiring at what age? Sixty-seven. Yeah. Say sixty-seven. Was well, that right. what people would target a target date to? Why is sixty-seven? I don't even know what the age is. I guess wouldn't they probably do it like fifty-nine and a half or whatever when they're required so minimum right, distribution? Right I would now, do seventy. You, you would be fifty-nine. You would be fifty-nine. So you're saying, does it make sense to be fifty-nine years old and a half bonds? A hundred percent, it does not. Yeah. Is that what the target date funds currently look like? Yeah. Take what? a look at them. They don't change that glide path based on no. like expected returns? Well, the whole idea- I thought, Vanguard, I thought Vanguard did lean more into equities a few years ago. Some of some of them do, but they're not going to get penalized for being too conservative, no. right? No. Okay. Now you're saying 80-20 is the new 60-40. I 100% agree with you. The thing is though, you have to dance around that when you're like explaining to people that are expecting a 60-40- not dance around, like not tell the truth, but you have to put a lot of emphasis on you just have no choice other than to accept more volatility. Like there's no choice. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Like I can't pretend this isn't going to be more volatile. It definitely is. But what is your alternative? There really isn't one right now. Well, explaining that you lose money in bonds in rising rate environments. Nobody's you lose money right now. Yeah, exactly. In a 10-year bond, yeah. unless you think – unless you think – your your the the rate of the cost of the things that you buy is only rising by one percent. It's a guaranteed loser. Yeah, you're doing it for a reason beyond just the income. You're doing it for stability of the portfolio, but half. I, I think one of the best things to do, and I, I know we're talking about oldies. We'll get back to youngies in a second. I'm but, like, I don't talk about target date. <laughs> you definitely don't. You don't need to. But if, if you're sitting down with a couple that's retired in their seventies, and you say. How are you feeling? Good. What are you doing? I'm traveling. Do you think you'll live another 10 years? Yeah. Do you think you'll live another 20 years? Yeah. You know, I my mother lived till 95. Great. Think of yourself as having 20 years to invest. Are you really going to put that much money in bonds? You can't. Okay. You can't unless you continue to make money from some other source. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Well, the 2065 Vanguard is 90% stocks. So that's like for somebody like me. Yeah. That's appropriate. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's ambitious. No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Rooting for you. It's funny though. There is still there. Like this conversation still happens even with millennials saying like, oh, people ask me what percentage should I have in bonds? I'm like, well, I'm a hundred percent equities. <laughs> yeah. Equities in real estate. I don't really know why someone in their twenties or thirties would need exposure to bonds. Well, the robos build bond allocations in. Some would say they're earning a little bit of extra income there for themselves. Yeah, that's why people but, will show me their allocation given to them by doing a robo questionnaire. And it says they're like 35% in bonds. I'm like, you're 29-year-old female with a six-figure job in New York City. What? My robo account is 90% is 90 stocks. My biggest risk in all aspects of life is already the stock market. And I'm still going 90-10. Yeah. Like, like the stock market affects literally everything about my life, right? But like for my own – so I have money on my – on our uh, liftoff platform, which is powered by Betterment. But I'm in, I'm in the 90-10 the allocation at 44. Mm -hmm. I have no intention of using that money in the near term. No. If I change my mind, then I have to change that allocation. Yeah. yeah. Like if I'm like I might buy a house, that's a different story, but I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I've, I've told many young people that when they show me their allocation from a robo that I think that, that, that it's much too conservative 
for their age and their stage of their career and everything. Um, let's do this ETS versus custom slash direct indexing. Just because I never talked to you about this, uh, but I'm curious about your take. I genuinely think ETFs will be fine forever. I think it'll be a very similar situation as that ETF versus mutual fund chart. I think it's undeniable that custom and direct indexing are going to 10x. Yeah. Like exactly. There's no way that doesn't happen from my perspective. It's, it, it could 100x. It's tiny. It could yeah, 100x. It, it, it's it, so it, little yeah. right now. But it's it's for specific people, mm -hmm. right? So if you know you're at Apple and you got a bunch of stock, you got a bunch of options. I mean, not only is that the only use case concentrated no, position. No, 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 no. But but uh, how many people out there who are working who are going to have equity positions in the company? Small, small. Yeah, yeah. Most of the wealthy people though will like be equity owners when they come to you in this society. That's how we like like it or hate it. We didn't build this society for somebody earning a salary to rise from the middle class to the upper class. It's almost impossible to do. You would have to be so frugal and have such a perfect investment track record of like picking great investments in real mm -hmm. estate and stocks to do that. The reality is in wealth management, people coming to you, they were shareholders in a company that went public. Yeah. Or spat, or spacked, or their son invented something. Like that's just that's so, just so what's you going guys, on. You guys do this now, right? You do through camps, a oh, big time, right? And yeah. and what's the number one use case? The typical person that you do it for. There, there's a few. One is somebody to your point says, "I work at Apple. Yeah, my entire livelihood is with the company. I get Can't paid buy that stock. Person accused. First yeah, of all, right. don't I don't need Apple, and I probably don't need four other companies I trade just sure. like it, right? So that's that's an obvious one. Another one is I've owned Disney for 20 years. I've got a very low cost basis, lock Disney, don't buy, don't sell, get rid of any companies that trade like Disney. Um, and then and then there's people- well, Wait, that, but then they also gradually want to start taking gains there and offsetting that with losses, right. so, which the algorithm in a custom index program can do better than a person can do. So if somebody Absolutely. has a third of their portfolio because they sold a company or whatever in a particular stock, well, we would recommend them that they get- rid of it, or they, as soon as they can, keeping taxes front and center. So we could say to the algorithm, we want to pay 50, get, we could put in their tax bracket. We want to realize $50,000 in capital gains every year. Or we could say, this is the amount of taxes that we want to pay every year. And the algorithm come up with a glide path. Could we do that manually? Maybe, but it would be- Not for a thousand accounts. It would yeah. be so, sub, so suboptimal. Is and that tax alpha worth it for the added cost for the active management of that versus just going index ETFs or index funds? The added cost is negligible. It's the, the so Canvas, 20 basis points. Canvas what we use Something is, like is 20 basis points. Yeah. So He's giving, actually, Canvas is O'Shaughnessy. Yeah. They're, they're giving the index for They're for giving free. you the beta for nothing. Yeah. They're not charging you on it. Not even. And, and how appreciative of the clients that you, they, uh, it's forget the roof, about it. right? Forget about it. They love it. Are they do you, are they direct indexing around more so around concentrated positions? I assume like what you're talking about, or are they also trying to do this for like the ESG yes. and other yeah, so ethical too. reasons? That's Absolutely. So we haven't even gotten to that, but there's people that want to express. What's the split? Do you think people that are doing direct indexing for ethical reasons or for financial? reasons? I think that's a West Coast East Coast split, or or a, I should say coastal versus because I talk to RIAs that are in the Midwest. They have. They don't have like a lot of people that are like, I need ESG, I need ESG. That's very much an LA, New York, Chicago, Miami phenomenon. I think it won't always be that way. I think the younger generation, 
ESG is going to become standard, mm-hmm. yes. which is not there yet. So, but to I, answer your question, though, that is a huge yeah. use case. I yeah. press sign or authorize on all of these auth- trading authorizations, and, and I would guess it's probably two out of ten. Yeah, it's not that, it's just not that big yet. It's going to pick up. It, it, it's going to grow. Well, in it, Europe, it, it's way bigger. Yeah. And it'll, it'll eventually be – it'll become – but here's the thing about ESG. With every passing year, more and more companies – become just more acceptable. Like pull out the oil companies who can never really be ESG. Everybody else seems to have their shit together. Like in the Fortune 500, they have women on boards, they have female CEOs. They had to. They and have, it didn't happen overnight. They're though, representing right? all of the racial yeah. groups. They're like doing yeah. what they're supposed to be doing. So there are less companies that would be screened out of an ESG mandate situation, which means popular ESG strategies are looking increasingly already like the index. Right. Right? And then if you're someone that's like, look, I have a problem with for-profit prisons, I'll say, okay, don't worry about it. There's only one publicly traded for-profit prison, and it's so f***ing small <laughs> that if we don't own it, there will be no difference. Yeah. But like, like, So a lot of the ESG stuff with guns and prisons, these are tiny stocks. They are. They are. And they're plenty so you're going to pay e- 2% for that difference? There are plenty of ETFs in the ESG space. Part of the problem, though, is every issuer defines yes. ESG in their own way. John just wrote down yeah. F-bomb, minute 30. Well, I, you, got, I, you got me? I run, you. I, I run a concentrated gun position for my own portfolio. <laughs> yeah, Michael, <laughs> Michael likes the uh, M- Michael likes that that, uh, that that return that everyone else is leaving on the sidelines. Um, Michelle Solarier wrote this thing about SPACs, and it's centered around – Stable Road Acquisition Corp, which is one of the most hilarious, uh, hilariously named SPACs of all time. So good. Given what ended up happening, it became or it was merging with Momentus and it ended up being like a space company and a train wreck. And she goes deep and and I'm not going to try to recap everything that she's talking about. She goes deep with all this stuff with Chamath and some of the more popular SPAC issuers. I think it's likely that we've seen the peak. And that that's just going to decelerate from here. It was fun while it lasted. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. What did we we learn? Did we learn anything or did we just have fun? So the thing is, I I was on with Matt Tuttle today, who's got one of the SPACs. So there are three SPACs out there. Okay. And um, what's his company? What's his thing? It's uh, it's SPCX, the SPAC and new issue ETF. And then there are two others. Defiance has one, S-P-A-K. Okay. Yeah. We, we follow then, that one. Okay. Yeah. And then Morgan Creek. We have a chart. We, we have this on a chart? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Mark Yusko, who's got S-P-X-Z. So Tuttle's the one at the top. And I, I was talking to him. I said, well, what you do? better because it has IPOs in it. But he... When things started to slip... Did he go to cash? He what went is to that? cash. Oh, he really did? He went to cash. So he's active? Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know you could do that. Yeah. It's like the cheat code. <laughs> I, know. I know. Wait, so, so is, is it rules-based or he's just like, things it, are starting it's, to slip? It's going to- you know, on average, he's got 88 holdings, but he's got the ability to go to cash. And Wait, what's the ticker? SPAK is the only one that's passive. The other the other yeah. two are both active what are at the, around what 1%. Are, what's the other one? The SPX. Oh, those are both him. Z. Yeah. And SPC. And you, you know Mark Yusko. Yes. Yes. So he's he's got the SPXZ. Oh, oh, that's a third issuer. That's a whole. Yeah. That's Morgan yeah. Creek. It's much yeah, smaller. Morgan Creek. Much yeah. smaller. And he's yeah. active too. He's active too. Okay. So, so look, I don't think this is dead. Um, it's a way people are going public. It's a little 
it, it's not my, you know, cup of tea. I like being able to know if I'm going to invest in something, what it, it's eventually going to invest in, and then maybe wait. You're crazy like that. <laughs> but could I, but, but could I, let me throw one thing out. There were two main rationales for the SPAC boom that began in the spring of 20. One of them was- You can't travel. You can't do a road show. That, yep. that, yeah, that was it. Okay. You can do an IPO and not do a road show too. Right. Come on. Like, li- like literally, we're all doing Zoom. Like, we're Zooming everything, so why could – okay. So that's not a real thing. It was real for like five minutes. But the second thing was that there's less scrutiny. You could put numbers out. You can communicate with the sh- – these f***ing guys are getting arrested now for what they're saying. To, like, that's not – that's no longer a benefit that you could just say whatever you want versus uh, an S1 filing and a real IPO. You yeah. can't do – Trevor Melton, the Nikola truck. There's like five of them. <laughs> they're, the mostly, they're mostly <laughs> – right. It works. It really works. <laughs> right. They're all being investigated. Break. Break. Like, like there are active investigations on like 10 of these, many of them EV uh, SPACs. So that, that uh, logic – that, oh, there's going to be more SPACs because it's just such an easier way to go public. You could say whatever you want. You buy the investigation, sell the resolution. But I'm just I'm just saying, like, if those were the two big rationales for why SPACs were a, quote, new asset class, and now they're both off the table, then screw it. Do a real IPO. Like, what? why wouldn't you? You can, you can do a real IPO. The SPAC process, if done the right way, works. It's been around for a long period of time. I mean, it just I, I feel, It just feels like, though— the advantages of it. A lot of them yeah. are trading below ten dollars now. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I think we should point out in that article it gave the the returns for the windfalls of the sponsors for the SPACs is average of nine hundred and fifty eight percent returns. Oh yeah, they do well. The early hedge fund <laughs> investors in on the Dude, SPAC deals have made forty percent, <laughs> and the retail <laughs> investors that got in after the SPAC are down twenty percent well, yeah, on these, average. And, that sounds, and right. times, that sounds about right. Times running up for crazy. some of these guys I know. Too, I really right? wanted to get in. These institutional investors have a get out of jail free card. If they don't want it, they can just like not give my money back. Right. The, fa- and, the founder and, and gets twenty percent of the company as their promote, like as their fee, versus the ten percent that the investment banks were taking from an IPO. Yeah, I think a lot like the SoFi one. I'm in on that, which is down. Probably about twenty percent, like what the the average is. That's for a real company. So far, it's a real company. But yeah, yeah. that's one that I believe is obviously a real company and has a long term future. You would have so bought that if it were down. an IPO, though. Too. Same thing with exactly, o- same yeah. thing with Open Door. Like a lot of comp- like real companies went DraftKings. Yeah. Um, but you would have bought this if there were real IPOs. Yeah. So here's what here's the real problem is that in February we were at this peak of credulity. You just believed everything everyone said. Sure. And because it had been a year of everything just running up. So February, March, all of a sudden, these the average SPAC was trading at like a 30 40% premium yeah. to its cash. And now they're all at a 5% discount. I mean, you could fog a mirror, you can launch a SPAC. It's one, it's just one of those yeah, things. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay did one. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what that's when I knew. Was that the top? I mean, he had Ooh. to have been within a week. Well, that's that's the crazy Shout part is the valuations oh, they were getting earlier this year. Like that stable road acquisition went from yeah. a $1.2 billion Valuation to seven hundred million after an eight million dollar SEC settlement with the oh founder. No. Hilarious. For the, being hey, Russian. how he needs an ETF? How he does need an ETF? He never did one all these years. No, he's no. doing just he's he, doing just fine. Yeah, he's I, fine. I, I don't I think know, he needs anything. I, I told I I was on his podcast. I said you need. What do you, you just run? ETF. What do you just run around doing podcasts? I did just, well, all this right. is a while ago. He okay. re, he really regretted it. I did his podcast once. Uh, I think I talked most of the time, 
He doesn't like. He likes to do a lot he of the talking. He likes to talk. He yeah, talks yeah. about manscaping on his podcast. It's he, enough. He, he, yeah, his <laughs> that's po- a lot. His podcast is not. And uh, he's, a, he's an investor, so it's, it's not, not safe it's, to it's, be too. It's not completely random, but <laughs> yes. Manscaped. Uh, he's an investor. In all market. right, so let's go back to IPOs. The pipeline is ready to burst. So I'm told by Renaissance. They are the foremost authorities on ETFs. Um, this is, uh, I guess, Bill Smith, William Smith. IPO pipeline ready to burst heading into next week. Stampede of new filers in August. Posted a 10-plus year high for filings. We could see as many as 15 company launches after the long holiday weekend. ThoughtWorks, Dutch Bros, Brothers. Is that a coffee chain? I don't know what that is. Uh, Summer filings. Warby Parker. That's a good chart. Which is, uh, let me say. Yeah. So, right. If you can just do IPOs and there's plenty of an audience for it, I just feel like we're going to get a little bit back to normal there. So, what still, do you think of the IPO com- uh, just com- ETF? Just compared to 10 years ago, we have uh, only a third of the annual IPOs, right? So, compared to one? 10 years ago, we had three times as many IPOs coming out every year as we do today. So, doesn't, it doesn't feel that way, though. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it's starting to come back to life. Um, but look, you get paid to stay private longer, right? There's more money available to stay private longer. Yeah. That's not going to go back the other way. So what about, uh, investors being able to access private markets more? Like, is that something your clients are asking you? And if you had access to private markets more, is that something you're doing? What do you think for younger? You must get asked because like all the hottest companies are still private. Well, I don't think that the young people get access to like pre-IPO opportunities right. or private equity opportunities. They wish they did. Yeah, that's right. what I do with So company, so we're, we're in that space for select clients. Yeah. It's a really big trade-off. The payoff could be huge or it could not, depending on what level you get in prior to the IPO. The IPO could be a down round. People forget. Yeah. There have been high-profile tech companies that have come public below, right? Mm-hmm. The, oh, can yeah, you think sure. of one offhand? There's some big, there's some big a ones. A down round into an IPO. It's, we've been in a bull market for a decade, so it's been a while. Right. But that's a thing that could happen. But then the second thing is you're trading liquidity. Yeah. So Because yeah. you can't just flip it the day of, depending on the vehicle you use to get access to that pre-IPO company. So you have to be an investor. Yeah. Like, but, you know, this would be good for Ben. I think coming out of COVID, if give him something to do. <laughs> he could do his own syndicate. Don't you oh think? yeah, Ben. Ben should Ben should start. Uh, ben should start doing IPOs. Uh, all right, let's let's keep going. This Gensler's vision thing. Gary Gensler is not going to be a hands-off uh, securities and exchange commission chief. He's like looking at some of the things that have been in plain sight for years, and kind of just like everyone was like, "Yeah, isn't that crazy?" And he seems to want to really do something about I, it. I, I can't believe that they're still going after the payment for order flow thing. They might like, not be. They might just be saying, like, we're we're looking at it, which is what they – that's their job. What are the big things he should be working on? What do you think? I think that they should be working on some guidance for investors for a Bitcoin ETF. I think that they're the – I think that's top priority for the average citizen. Like, so, so – Oh, that's interesting. Like, if you ask most investors, what would they say? They would say – just give us a safe way to do this. Nate Karasi yeah. tweeted in, in two, uh, recently, the first Bitcoin filing was in 2013. The first Bitcoin ETF filing. Yeah, yeah. that's wild. What was the price of Bitcoin in Winkle 2013? Boss. I mean, it was, it was 500. These poor guys have been pounding their head against the wall, you know, lining up around the corner of the SEC. So so lately, the, the guidance that Gensler's giving is futures-based 
40 Act, right? Why? So that it would fall into the purview of the CFTC? Correct. Correct. And 40 Act, because he likes the overview of having a board. You've got an independent board of trustees to oversee it. It is a commodity. If we're saying it's digital gold yeah. and that's the primary use case, and that's what people are trading it for, yeah. that's what people are buying it for, I don't hate that approach. So some of these folks like Grayscale is going bonkers, like after they've been at this for so long because they want to convert what they've already got on the marketplace over to ETFs, and that's not going to work in that structure. What, if it's, if it's, if it's a trust already? Right. It, it, you can't convert what they've already got because they own the physical holdings into physical, that. Physical the, LMAO. Right? Yeah. Not really <laughs> physical, though. Yeah, yeah. But they own the actual. Right. Right. They, they own the underlying. Yeah. It's just, it's not. Yeah, pardon the physical. Right, right. I got too much GLD in me. Yeah. Right. So so do you think then that, that it's not such a slam dunk for uh, Osprey and Grayscale to take these existing publicly traded trusts and just say, okay, there's approval. We're ETFs now. Because so, they, they seem to think they can do that. I, first of all, if, if Gensler gives them this future-based strategy and, and grants approval and it hits the marketplace, it's the right thing for something to come out because it's got to be a give and take. And I think, like you said, people are asking for it. If it's future-based, it's going to coordinate okay. There's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. And then the next thing— Tom, where will the bumps and bruises in a futures-based Bitcoin ETF come from? The role? The role. The con- so what if that gets all funky? The, the contracts are going to be really screwy. Well, the problem is there's not that many contracts out Correct. There, right? So, and there's only three years of history of people yeah. trading them in Chicago. I right. just what are, we, what are we trying to protect investors from? If we can have a triple-levered crude short ETF— why can't we have a Bitcoin ETF? The horse is out of the barn, right? Like, you know, what are you going to do? Are, I'll, tell, are, I'll tell you. I'll give you the. I'll give you the reason why. From I think from the from their perspective, from their perspective, this is one of the most manipulated markets on the planet. It doesn't matter that it's decentralized. There are whales who have their way with the price, so? at least in the short term. Well, we know that's true of stocks. Also, I understand what you're saying. The manipulation is in plain sight. There's a coordinated social media campaign being led by some of the most prominent voices in crypto to quote pump the price to celebrate El Salvador <laughs> I mean the, the manipulation is not they're not even pretending to not how want is that manipulation to, to say everyone should buy at Bitcoin how is that not they were saying, okay, they were saying everyone buy thirty dollars worth of Bitcoin I get that it's not like um a mastermind behind the scenes like a penny stock I'm just saying the manipulation is problematic for a regulator who's supposedly there to protect investors to just be like, yeah, sure, make products based I on hear, it. I hear that, but if they're trying to protect investors and get rid of some of these three-time levered ETFs. Uh, if there were a Bitcoin ETF, would people be doing less stupid shit in uh, their Robinhood and Coinbase accounts? They'd still be doing it. They'd still be doing so, it. So l- but l- the, 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 they're doing it anyway. Well, we know. I agree with that. Let me throw it out there. What if... There were crypto, whether it be Bitcoin, Ethereum, where they were just using virgin coins. What does that mean? Coins that came directly from the miner, and they could uh, validate that they came directly from the miner, that they were never involved in trading anywhere else. It came directly from the miner, and then that could be in some type of ETF wrapper. It's like when you go to Tiffany and you're like, I don't want any conflict diamonds. 
I don't want any conflict I don't conf- points. I don't Fine, want any conflict whatever, points. whatever. If that if that would get it done, just get it done. Or it's enough already. Didn't yeah. O'Leary tweet something about this? And it sounded. Yeah. But isn't this the most bullshitty thing on it the is. planet? Well, okay. so. I mean, if Kev, uh, if, Kev, if Kevin said it, uh, like, like I, I'm sure that he has the right intentions, but it, it feels to me that there's no such thing as ecologically friendly Bitcoin because the miners are all over the world doing whatever they want. Um, I was at the Coinbase conference. O'Leary was there. I'm on the board for U.S. Global. Frank Holmes, who is the I know chair, Frank. you yeah, know yeah. Frank, but he's also the CEO of Hive, which is a big crypto miner. And he's saying, hey, I think – that people would pay up for virgin coins because they're clean. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> well, we don't give a shit, but if if maybe the regulatory authorities would say, Doesn't hey, this, this is sound a way like to a meme. Well, maybe, maybe that's part of the whole thing, too, is like this is not an ESG-friendly thing for them to regulate, or it, they need to regulate it for it to become more ESG-friendly, which is the way the whole investing yeah. space is going. So how do they do all that? I don't know. I Wait, feel like I'm taking crazy pills. How many fraudulent companies are publicly traded? Many. Probably hundreds. Yeah, they all came public. Yeah, but but it's different than them. It's a different process. That's true, but it's different than them regulating a whole new type of. Right, they're not. They're not fu- They're not funds. They're not. F- do you, Do you feel like uh, younger people would buy crypto if they were cleansed? I mean, either way, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. They're blessed. They go yeah, yeah, yeah. put them on the altar. I feel, I feel like better that. about Liana it. will buy any coin. Liana is only buying oh, yeah. cleansed Bitcoin. Is that, is that about yeah, how yeah, you heard it here first? Yeah, description, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to make sure that only the cleansed Bitcoins end up in, in your account. Uh, that whole thing sounds like bullshit to me. And if I hear an advisor talking about that to their client, it's never gonna happen. I'm going to laugh. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So do we think, and I know people must ask you this all the time, do we think we're even any closer to a Bitcoin ETF? And are you surprised that Clayton didn't just do it? He seems to have cared way less about a, a great many things. And now he works for a crypto company anyway. Right. And now he's in and Did he's, Eric Peters hire him? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think he's but involved with like a, a Bitcoin issuer. He's in line with the rest of them trying to make it happen. I, so with this futures-based uh, application, 40 Act, a lot of people feel this is going to come between now and the end of the year. Really? Yep. Okay. Is that in the price of Bitcoin, do you think? Uh, might be. Uh, I, I, do I think? don't know. Great answer. I have no idea. No yeah. clue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, th- the whole El Salvador thing. I mean, y- you look at it, there are some people, oh, he's trying to pump it. On the other hand, you dig down into it and say, is there something there? Uh, yeah. When are, when are we all moving to El Salvador? What if that works? Who is now the cent- who is now like the head of the central bank in El Salvador? Is it Pomp? Like who is- so- <laughs> said it is that someone on Twitter gets appointed that position? So so first of all, I'm just taking the other side for a second. You okay. got six million people, you got a poor country, they're making four thousand dollars a year, right? Okay. The government buys twenty one billion dollars in Bitcoin and says if you buy this Chivo wallet, which, which is sounds pretty give cool, you money. they'll give you yeah. thirty bucks. I don't hate that. Like who's and then all of a sudden, you're educated. Like, when did we first learn about investing? And when we empowered. first bought something, right? Yeah. So, uh, But, Tom, it sounds like the purpose of this is not for these people to become investors. They want the money to be used in the economy. Well, they're saying, like, I think one of the biggest use cases for it there and any country where there's a huge underbanked community, like 70% of Salvadorans being 
underbanked and unbanked completely is the remittances from other countries sending money back. They're saying that that accounts for 24% of El Salvador's gross And they pay product. very high fees on huge, those remittances, huge. right? Yeah. So huge. this is okay. going to, you know, it enables people to to yeah. bank worldwide and they can have people send money back to them. So that's so the I use like, case. That's so even I like here, that that's what, because like, that's a use case that doesn't involve like price target predictions yeah. and futures trading yeah. and leverage. Right. That's just regular people getting access Panama to- Panama's looking at it. Now. I mean, right. I talk yeah. about Tyrone Ross all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be in New York in October. You guys got to get him. Bro, he'll be in El, he'll be in El Salvador, literally <laughs> like uh, advising the president. That oh, you for wait, sure. You wait and see. So this, I mean, it, that's what he talks about in America, the unbanked community in America for right. families and people to be able to send money to each other. And obviously this is a huge part of this country's actual GDP. So- you, it you makes just, sense. You just hope, though, that the next headline in two months isn't El Salvadorans lose 80% of their Chivo yeah. wallets because yeah. of gambling uh, in Bitcoin versus whales in Japan. Or, like, like you just hope yeah. that's not where that's going. I if, doubt if, it will. If people but. Start, start using it and it's a, it's a good use case, Panama jumps in. I was with Jan Van Eck the other night and his head crypto guy – on a plane to El Salvador. He's going down there to check it out. You see if people are using it. Better him than you. How many yeah. of the ATMs, because you know how it says they have the Chivo <laughs> ATMs around El Salvador now. How many of them do they actually, did you know? I, I don't. I, Wait, I read about it, but I didn't look it how up. How many people got the wallet? No, they have, I don't know how many people have the wallet, but they said they they have um, the Chivo Bitcoin ATMs all over El Salvador. And I, I saw in McDonald's the and stuff. stuff like all taking, accepting Bitcoin in El Salvador. Yeah. There's probably like two McDonald's's, but I yeah. thought that was cool. There was some coordination done with businesses. To like make this actually work. Just the fees, the fees alone that are saved for families and people that are doing remittances around the world and even here domestically um, is amazing. It's half, the World Bank reports it was half, over half a trillion dollars in 2019 of global for, remittances. Yeah. And yeah. the average. That is so much money. And the, but imagine the fees that these people are paying average, on that the, to get money around the, the world. The average right. fee for a transaction over 200 bucks is 7%. It's yeah. massive. And where who's so, who's taking that money? Like Western, Western Union? Union? Yeah. Right. yeah. 7%. So And it happens right here domestically. Yeah. For people that don't have bank accounts. Someone's in the South, someone's in the Northeast, you gotta send money to your no, aunt or whatever. But like so I, th I I I get it. I'm I'm for the use case, obviously, but is it how it's hard for somebody how does somebody get educated to get a wallet, get set up, send the money? Like that's not easy. Well, is I it? assume that's what they're kind of doing that. Well the right? good thing is they all communicate on their phones. You know, just like a lot of third yeah, they're world learning countries. On Twitter. Yeah. They're learning on Instagram the same way our kids are learning dances. They're learning like what what is blockchain? What is Bitcoin? What do Have we you ever sent somebody Bitcoin? No. Me either. No. But, but like for what? Like uh, like almost like here's Bitcoin instead of dollars? Or just, just in general. Just maybe, like I said, people Has, are doing that on Cash App and stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, you can do that easily with, with Square. I, I, I'm sure you can, but I've never done it. Well, I would never send anybody crypto. I have no reason. But we're to also do it. you guys. We're right. also we're a different yes, of socioeconomic I, no, of course, of course, of course, group here than a lot of the rest of the world or the rest of America. Have I, you have you lent any crypto like to get the income? You're doing that shit, right? No, I tried. I couldn't figure it out. I think I might. Have, I think I might have lost it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I I don't. I wouldn't say lending. I'm probably making donations somewhere without knowing it. Yeah, I tried Uniswap and. I'm putting things into MetaMask and then losing my password, and then I open a new MetaMask. That's what I have going on. I don't it's know. like my mom and Facebook. She's Although, got five Facebook. Wait, somebody's getting benefited. No, from I was this. just talking to Dylan about this, 
Every time I log into my MetaMask on a different computer, it tells me I have an invalid password. And, and I, every time I change my password, I write it down on my phone. So I'm like, I know this isn't the right password. So Dylan just sent me an article. You have to, like, there's something funky going on. You have to type your password, like, literally like this. If you type it too fast, it doesn't read it. I'm like, this is supposed to be the future? And I have to pack yeah. out the keyboard? Yeah, don't you feel empowered by crypto? So what I'm basically <laughs> doing is helping to burn more ETH. The on yeah, the, the, I'm like part of the you're solution. You're a giver. You're just I a real, giver. I'm, I'm shrinking the amount of ETH available by f***ing losing money. The ramps are so, so frustrating I'm really and trying to do my part. It does not lend itself to mass adoption today. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the future just yet. Uh, you guys were in our office. What do you think? It's just awesome. Is it nice being back, though? Like, is this cool? Look, you brought us tequila. Tell, tell us about this tequila that we yeah. have. Swear, swear so, uh So a bartender. In, me some. There you it's go. Open. You want me to open in, it? Uh, yeah. Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, my wife and I were in there in the fall. We like tequila like you guys. Wait till you see uh, Buzzed Batnick, by the way. You're going to love this. <laughs> I'm just, uh, so, uh, I normally so would wait till after the show. but We're like, oh, what do you have? And we're looking for that extra añejo. He said, you got to taste this. Suerte. Which how, many means, nights, how many nights a week are you drinking tequila? Oh, there's Don't not a night. Me. There's not a night. I, there's not, I miss right? It. Just a little bit. Do you remember going to Javier's with me and maybe Mike? Uh, where, 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 where was, was that? Yeah, Newport. Newport? Oh, yeah. We were in Newport. We yeah. saw... Um, that was a rough night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're coming back, though, what right? What event were we there for? It was at the... Was it the Island yeah, Hotel? Yeah, let me finish my water first. Right. Guzzle, guzzle that. We saw Heather Dubrow there. Tom, pour, uh, yeah. pour, pour Liana some of this suerte. You know what happened at that bar? Meb Faber challenged me to, like, a vodka tasting competition. Not competition... He doesn't think that people could tell the difference between well vodka and Grey Goose. And I'm like, okay, how much do you want to lose tonight? So I, I don't think it was a lot of money. but like, You took him down? I mean, I've, like, well, think about well vodka, like what you drank yeah, in college when you had no money. This is very good, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> is it good? Yeah. All right. I'm on. I'm on this uh, is really nice. I'm on steroids. Otherwise, yeah. I would be. I actually like this better than the one that Doug brought last time. What did Doug bring us? He, it was a really nice one, wasn't Doug it? Doug brought the expensive one. That, that, um, but oh, I right. like this yeah. better. But, but suerte means luck. What's that There's, there's a guy in yeah. uh, Denver, hooks up with a guy in Mexico City, and they know a guy in Jalisco who makes it the old-fashioned way. And, and they all send each other Bitcoin. That's it. It's all Bitcoin. Dude, this, this, like you're, you're, you're a gentleman. You sent us six of these. So shout well, out I to Square they, they, they oh, I didn't bring you guys anything. Sorry. Oh no no no! You, bro- <laughs> you, you get bro- my presents. You brought your presents. presents. <laughs> so we wanted to put this chart up: office utilization rates by metro area before everyone smashed. Oh look at this! Uh, this is wild. This is nuts. I I don't know if this ever goes back. Nope. To the to the baseline. Here, so, here's here's what I I remember talking about Ben with this chart months ago. Well, let's just say what it is. I, it's a podcast. Okay, so so we are looking at office utilization rates based on key card fob data. So this is the NSA. I don't know where they got this data from. This is ten, the ten <laughs> biggest uh, cities. So I, I said that I think New York City will top out at like seventy to eighty percent of what it once was. Right now, New York City is. Is under twenty five percent. Basically, nobody came back to so, work. So the starting point is February two thousand twenty. So the drawdown was basically complete, right? It was basically down to zero almost. Yeah. So now it's back to twenty percent. I mean, that's oh today. I don't know if you noticed this today. Today uh, was the first time that my train was. There was people on my train. Like yeah, the lot was the lot had more cars in it. So maybe this is getting better. I guys, don't know. This, is, this is my first time back since pre COVID, and uh, 
I, it's it's quiet. Midtown's really Midtown's really dead. quiet. Really? Man, I feel you, like it's busy. You can't you can't get a cup of coffee or, or a sandwich during the day. I I got in at night, and I love Del Frisco's, and Del Frisco's historically has been packed. I yeah, walked down 49th there. Forty ninth and uh, Avenue of the Americas. And and there are four people at the bar. Yeah. When I when I finished my steak, there was nobody because there. there's no corporate. There's no business lunches. There's no meetings. Yeah, no. There's there's no post meeting whatever. But if you go to the outer part, so, so I mean, the neighborhood, the neighborhoods, well, the neighborhoods I, are I mean, jamming. I don't want to say exactly where I live, but I live very close to here. In the let, let me get a pen. Uh, we'll, link, we'll, link, we'll link to your address <laughs> Hello, on, uh, on Google Maps. Don't live, worry, gentlemen. <laughs> um, but I feel you should have seen it before. I feel like this is so busy now. So quick I go story. to Del Frisco's. You still got It's still hard to get a reservation. Still on a, what on a Saturday night during though? Well, no, even during no. the week, like. Really? like Wednesday on. Weekends, there's got to be nobody around, right? I was in a packed restaurant on the Upper East Side on Saturday night. I was not, at, to, not to brag. No, no, no. But I'm saying I was at Elio's, which is like our favorite Italian. We came with a bunch of our friends. Yeah. Yeah. It was jamming. It oh. was like there was no pandemic. Yeah. None of that glass shield shit. Yeah. No masks. It's just, it yeah. looks back to and normal. And around here, like Midtown on the weekend, there's a lot, it's a lot of tourists. Yeah. I always stay at the Royalton for 20 years down to 44th, 44th. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's a little older than it was, uh, but they'd always take care of me. And I left a big bag full of suits, shirts, workout stuff there. And it was there during the whole pandemic. And Is it I, still in style? I, <laughs> I, I'm walking down 44th going up there, and I, this homeless guy is sitting on the corner. He's got my suit on. No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He didn't tie the tie the right way. I kind of helped him Wait, out a this, little bit. Is this a for real story? No. I told you I'm kind of gullible. <laughs> no, good no, joke. No, I, I, at, they just opened up. I walked in. The, one of the bellmen were there. He goes, hey, Tom, how you doing? I got your bag. I'm like, I wow. can't believe it. I thought that stuff. That would have been and amazing. And the bellman is still there. He, well, he just came back. And I gave him a nice tip because I thought all that stuff was gone. Yeah. And he almost kissed me. All right. Aww. So, the, so th we're starting to see more of like stuff being back. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I, um, but the office stuff and the office, I don't, I just don't see this office ever having as many people as it had. Commercial real estate is so effed. Yeah. yeah. Big like, issues. It's maybe the worst place you You've could be in real estate. You've got a lot of people here, though. Not really. I mean, Not, we used to we used to be full. This yeah. is a busier office than any of the offices yeah. I've been in. Yeah, because what, but we're you guys like, are young and vibey, and we're also like uh, uh, pandemic deniers. We're like we think the whole <laughs> thing's a hoax. So what's it with J.P. Morgan and Goldman saying we got to get everybody back? They're all there. What? Why? Tuesday, the Wednesday, Thursday, because they yeah. pay them so much money. Do Tuesday. they do they think they're not productive at home? They know they're not. They do, you th know. do you think they're not? Productive? They're not productive at work either. Most yep. of that, most of most of most jobs. Let's all be very very honest. Most jobs there are bursts of tons of activity where you're so busy you can't even think straight and those punctuate these stretches of like one or two full days where you could like basically sit at your desk and zone like zone out I like, got some I got some heat at our last episode when I made a joke about bank employees What do you say? Being at home and not being productive cuz you weren't getting your your refinancing done quickly and I'm like yeah bank employees who knows what they're doing now <laughs> Anyone giving you heat, you let us know. We'll take care and of it. And then I got some heat on Instagram because I need to be more opinionated in this room, apparently. Really? No. Uh, All right. You're, you're pretty said. opinionated today, I I'm, feel like. I mean, I'm not Have trying. Have some more I'm of this just... tequila. We'll, <laughs> we'll, fi we'll fix that. So what do you think? Are people more productive at home or less productive at home? Depends I think it's just the personality. It's personality. I've been doing it for eight years. More than so. half the people on with our company today we've hired in the last year and a half. I've never met them personally. And we have them spread around North America. 
We're using Slack to yeah. communicate. That's us. I, I feel like I know when they go to the bathroom. They're, they're so online with everything that's You're going on. Using Calamari for the check-ins? That's so you know in the morning. No, seriously. Do you, you know what that app no. is on Slack? No. Everybody has to check in. Everyone has to check out. Calamari oh. will keep logs. You know of, what's funny? I, I kind of want to do that. No, that's what I thought. Yeah. I do it every day because it just- I like it. It's routine. It just it turns you on and it turns you off. And I do it every day and I never even notice it. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a digital time card, so but look, everyone's every doing it. Every single day. Hello, Michael. Welcome to work at nine. Bye, Michael. Have a great time. So what we do, we do this primarily to make sure that everybody's okay. You know, because because everybody's remote. Yeah, yeah. that's if what somebody, that's that's what if somebody didn't check in in three. No, I'm not kidding. If somebody didn't check in in three days, we'd be like, we. Oh yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. my parents get worried about me. With we'd that. say, They're like, we, you're we, alone. We'd say, hey, it's a calamari for your parents but, to like, see like, that you're no checking one, in. And I work for myself. Nobody would know if I was gone for a week. Like, no, I hope the doorman knows. We know. I follow you on Instagram. We know. True. If my if my stories on Instagram stop, you guys need to be worried about me. That's your please check in. That's your SLS. So, uh, so you're, so, but you're back to travel, like for business, like, like that's it. You're back it's on the road, or no? It's not fun. I, I, I'll tell you. Uh, this last trip, flying L.A. to Newark, great flight, land, forty-five minutes to get to the gate, forty-five to find a, a gate, get off the plane, forty-five minutes to get the luggage. Oh, they're understaffed on the tarmac. Uh, they're understaffed uh, everywhere. Yeah. Hurts. Okay, I'm a gold. My name's not on the board. I'm in line. Twenty people in line, one guy. Yeah, oh, I've seen bad. that too. I saw it in Miami in February. Delta said today that they see demand back to pre-variant levels in the next 30 days. That that's shocked me. That's that is shocking. That'll be mostly vac- like, vacation, like though. Are they lying? No, because there are people like me who have pent up family trips that they just have to take. How so, how was your trip? It was, it was great. No problem. Did you have no problems? Smooth. No. Oh, no. your LA trip looked so nice. Yeah. Dude, I want to go. I, to I, so I would do that once a month. Me it was too. so easy, yeah. and everything was like we got into every restaurant. Like LA is not busy late yeah, August no. or whenever I went. Like that's a good time you to go Santa there. You in Santa Monica for like five seconds. Oh, okay. That's not my. I that's can't. where. Where were you? I I was in like Malibu, Beverly Hills. What's wrong with Santa Monica? Too crowded. It's yeah. too much like New York, actually. Yeah. Don't you think? Like Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, the mall. Like the, I'm talking about the mall, oh, the mall and the shopping right. district. Yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah. You but, live in California. Yeah. He lives in Huntington, Huntington Beach. Huntington okay. Beach. Yeah. Um. All right. So, but but. I, look, if you're going to go back on the road as a business traveler, you're running out of places to go because they're canceling all the conferences. Yeah. So, so at least in our, in our industry. So yeah. I, mean, is- I, was, I was supposed to go to Austin at the end of this month for three conferences, American Banking Association, Marketing, FinCon, which is the financial yeah. media conference. That's the only one that's still on. And then the Opal alternative events. I don't yeah. know if that one is still on. but Salt, um, salt is going. Salt is going. Yes, we love salt. Wait, that's not. That's when is that? On Monday to Wednesday next week. Okay. That's. I will be hosting. You have a big. Ro- you have a big role there. Tell everybody what you're doing there. I'm hosting the Salt Sideline Report. So guys like Josh, Barry, all the speakers after they come off the stage, I'm going to do a little quickie interview with them. So that's what, great. what are we going to do? Like, I don't know. What we do you want to talk about? We should do something fun. I agree. Well, I mean, you want to be like, Josh, what's your macro outlook? You don't give a shit. No. Okay. But, but some people want that. They send send me 18 questions. I'm like, oh, this you is and like I should do a four-minute interview. You Josh. and I should do like a quick TikTok, and then I go on stage right after. Do you, um, do you see a recession in the next 12 to 24 months? I do. Ooh. In, fa- in fact. So that's a good question. It, it, listen, oh. you're gonna you're gonna talk to a lot of good people there. Steve Cohen, maybe? Can you get yeah, him? Yeah, I've got all those guys on the list. You have and Ray Dalio. Kathy, Ray Dalio. You have Kathy. Kevin. 
Okay, so, so you're 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 tied in. You're part of. Are you going to do audio interviews, video it's interviews? It's all a video. So oh, there's yeah. a setup for anyone that's, that's going to be there at the pavilion on the fourth floor, like right next to the the green room. Will you, will and you stuff. come to our conference yeah, in Miami and Fountain Blue? Of course, February, I will. right? I've got, Wait, there's a lot of conferences what, coming which, up. I don't even know about this. Am I invited? <laughs> you I, are okay. What? Exchange. Exchange. I found out ETF. about it through you guys. Exchange ETF. Okay. We right. spoke about that. Yeah. No, we spoke with Matt about it. Was yeah. somebody about yeah. that? Yeah. That's how I found out about it last time I was here. Oh, with you guys. this is with uh, Matt and John. Yeah. Oh, I'll come. Yeah. I mean, if you if you want me. I'm we not going to invite myself. We, okay. want you to, we want all you guys. Okay. Uh, well, if you want February Liana, 13th. if you want Liana, you get Josh. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right? Woo. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll we'll do that. Um, and we'll hopefully that. they're not canceled. No. Fingers crossed. February will be, by then, February will be fine. Uh, by then we'll be 85% vaccinated, I think. So I was going to do this whole thing with Live Nation, but who gives a shit? Let's skip to Soapbox. I like Live Nation. I've got 80% up in the last. Are you are you invested in Live Nation? So am I. Yeah, yeah. So did you pay attention to what uh, to what they said on TV yesterday? The president, no. not Rapino, but the the second guy down. No. Eric told, he said eight million people went to a Live Nation show in August. Is that bigger or smaller than you would have guessed? That's a lot of people. Right, lot yeah. Of people. It's, it's well, the, the the festivals like named in here, the Lollapalooza and everything's been huge. That Bonnaroo, was huge. Governor's Ball is uh, next week. My daughter's going. Yeah. It's terrifying for me. By the way, she's <laughs> how like, old just, is she? Isn't she young? Fifteen. Yeah. She so apparently, everybody's parents are letting their their daughters just like go. She's vaccinated. Wow. That's the last thing I'm worried about. Yeah. This is at City Field. No parents. I don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't Sprinkles is not going to be up behind it. You know who, like, tree? the headline <laughs> act is the night she's going is, like, Megan the Stallion. It's not going to be, like, a tame yeah. situation. <laughs> like, she's not going to see the, the Beach Boys in Chicago. Like, the double many, bill. She's just going with a bunch of her friends. Dude, they, and they are all savages. Yeah. She has this group of seven girls. They call them the Salty Seven. Oh, and my gosh. They're, they're she's, just, like, 15 going on over. 21. They think they're, like, 30. Yeah. So, and, they, and I'm not allowed to go. Can and I like, chaperone her? I do that. You a hundred percent. We'll we'll talk offline. So anyway, that's going mm-hmm. on. They, so he was on CNBC saying the cancellations are getting headlines, but it's only a two percent cancellation rate. So ninety eight percent of Live Nation shows are going through, and the associated revenue is up six hundred seventy seven percent in the second quarter. So that's up from like no concerts. People but. are dying to go to events. I mean, football games are sold out. Are you going to it, Are you going to any shows? You got anything? You got anything planned? Not, you're I, mu- I, I know you're a music guy. So jazz fest okay. in, in New Orleans, usually usually in April. Okay. Push to October, just canceled. They canceled. Oh. Yeah, just canceled. So, I mean, that's fun. It's got, it's got the bands that Barry and I like. Like Barry did a tweet last week about Steely Dan, REM. <laughs> Is REM reuniting? No. Are they going to play jazz no, fest? Never Barry loves Steely Dan. I love REM. Who doesn't love REM? I know. Never, you'll never see them again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to see Nas in Queens on September 23rd. What are the chances that still go- happens? Wow. I think it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Your kids must just be like, my dad's the coolest. No, yeah. I'm not that cool. They don't know what Nas is, by the way. Really? They, like yeah, your son know. doesn't know who that is? He's a 12. So, well, his, his guy is uh, Polo G. Well, I don't it. even know who that is. Right. So same. same. Well, I kind of do, but not as much as not as much. Uh, what's the thing about sports cards? Are you a card guy? <laughs> So I figured I, you would be an NFT guy. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I was just gonna give a shout out to collectible cards. Look, you do the uh, masterworks thing, right? Yeah. And you guys both do yeah. that. So 
you get a piece of something, which is nice. Did you ever collect cards? Dude, I got something to say about collectible, but you go first. Yeah, well, so first of all, growing up, for me, it was really cool to have them. And then my best friend from home actually moved out to California when I moved out, and we were roommates. We went back, got our cards, we started buying them again. Well, that was right at the top in late 80s, early 90s. I was going to say, that was like the 20s. Yeah, which cards did right. Babe, Babe Ruth. Which cards do you have, like Mickey Mantle, or, or was that before? Well, I, I did. I do have Mickey Mantles. I, I, I've actually got no, a, he was like Cal Ripken, uh, right? Like dude, that I'm era? Old. I like 86 I, You're not Mickey Mantle old. That's like my dad. My dad has Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Mickey Mantle. No, no, I've got it. I've got him. Ken Griffey I, so Jr. So now I brought it back in the He's last couple young. of years. What cards do you have? I've got, a, I've got Mickey Mantle rookie. I've got... Um, you know, I, I've got uh, Jackie Robinson rookies. I've, I've been buying up more good stuff lately, right? And I, um, my son kind of catalogs it for me. So it's something we can kind of do together. Okay. And I feel like, yeah, they're going to go up and down. They've gone up in a, in a big way. And and I feel like, did you guys ever buy cards? Did you guys yes. ever buy cards? I was tons. I, I, was, com- yeah. I was comic books. Yeah. yeah. My brother was sports cards. I had a ton of cards. Yeah. I was Spice Girls stickers. Spice Girls, Spice Girls. Yeah. yeah. What are you saying about collectible? Are you talking about the collectible of the app, the the sports company, the or no? No, I well, I use I use that. Uh, I buy them on eBay, all that stuff. So people are people are going mental right now. Yeah. I bought on collectible a Wilt Chamberlain. I think it was his high school uniform, or maybe it was yeah. the 76ers. I can't remember. But I bought this in March. Six months later, or however many months later it is, uh, shareholders were offered. A buyout, right? A fifty-something percent premium from what we paid for it four months ago, and I, of course, was like, "Hell yeah, that's awesome! Fifty percent in four, five, six months, whatever it is, let's let's go." Why, why wouldn't you buy it yourself and own it? Like buy buy cards yourself because this hold thing them. is like this thing is like a million and a half bucks. Oh, right, understand? But yeah, I, why aren't like, you buying million dollar baseball? But, but, yeah, but yeah, hold yeah, on, yeah. but Tom, but Tom, listen to yeah. this: eighty-two percent of shareholders voted no. So they wanted to hold it. Said so this buyout offer is not good enough. Not good enough. Fifty percent in five months. It's like Rally Road. That's happening all the time for I, handbags and, and and. Are they and, still around? Oh, they yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cars oh, yeah. and so stuff like So I was like in the, I was in the eighteen. Rally doesn't let the holders decide when to sell the car. Rally is actively managing the portfolio well, they sell. No, no, no. So eventually, if they sell something and an offer comes in, they'll go out to the holders. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought they just say this is what's in the holder's best interest. The way I the way I understand it. Yeah, Yeah, Josh, I have firsthand experience. I was telling Michael about the other day. What do you own at Rally? I had a Ford GT40. I had some shares of it. So you uh, have a say in when they sell it. People people voted to sell it for something like a ten or fifteen percent gain. I was very mad. (laughs) It's like my favorite car. I wanted to hold it. They are so cool. Hey, so so guys, I know we want to move on, but a couple things. I brought a couple things. I got uh, Patrick. Ewing rookie, <gasps> rookie for you, baby. Oh my god! More gifts. Oh okay. my god! Wait, is that real? That's, re- that's real. Why are you the best human okay. being on and, earth? And, Do you have a Patrick Ewing rookie for me? So, so I want to say something. I love when you go deep and personal. When you talk about your mom, you talk about your kids, and when you. So, I hate the Lakers. I'm a Celtics fan, and I moved to L.A. But how couldn't you love Kobe? Right, and when I did. you talked about yeah naming your son Kobe, I thought it was. The greatest thing. And I, I've let you know a couple times when I love how you go. Are deep. you trying to make me cry? What are you doing here? Aww. Oh, my God. Oh, Tom. Tom, you're going to get invited up. back for sure. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? Let me see this. I love you. Okay. I really do love you. This is, inc- this is incredible. So, so listen, uh, Leanna, I, I I just, I'll tell you, um, 
you are so dynamic and I watch your stuff and it's fantastic, but I didn't want to say, hey, here's a sports card. I picked something. <laughs> you brought a Spice Girls card? Brought, it wasn't a Spice Girl. I didn't, but one of my favorite people as far as actresses is Kristen Wiig. She's so friggin' funny. And I loved her in Bridesmaids. And I thought you'd like her because she's really cheap. Like she picked that cheap restaurant where they got food poisoning. Remember that? Yes. And also that made uh, Melissa McCarthy take the dump in the sink. Remember? <laughs> yes. So this is I, going to an interesting place. I got you a signed $1 said, bill from Kristen Wiig. Oh, my Tom. Did she actually sign this? Yeah. Are you serious? Uh-huh. This is so cool, Tom. Tom, you're you're an angel. So so part of this is she's a hustler. Like oh we God. we've talked that's, about that's we talked sick. about crypto really cool. and, and you talk about NFTs, okay? But these are things that you can hold. Real world, real world, yeah. real world. You can share with your family. You can share with your kids. And I'm just doing a kind of a shout out to a little bit old Dude, school. Dude, wait till you see the gifts that that are sitting oh waiting gosh. for you for your next appearance here. Yeah, I, feel, right. I know. I feel so. First of all, grateful. Aww, this is you're this so is awesome. unreal. This is Thank like you. unbelievable. This is epic because we're huge Knicks fans, and uh, I I love it. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank oh, you. It's, it's great. I met Patrick Ewing at the airport. I don't remember this. My parents told me I was like five years old, and I was crying. And he said, "What's the matter, Mike?" No, yeah. really. While your parents were like, yeah. "His name is Michael, and he yeah. loves you." Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that Kobe, that Kobe, let me see that Kobe card. Tom. All right, so let me so let me ask you a question. So this this is not going away. The cards, the NFTs based on cards. It's just is it just getting started or is it in the middle? Like where where do you think but, but this it's, is? It's good no matter what. You're getting people investing, right? And some people are going to get absolutely screwed. We know that, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that would but happen whether they were no trading what, online or trading are, in real life. You know, yeah. it, it was savings and loan stocks when I was little. So it was those types of things where that's where you learn. And there's nothing better than getting a good pop in the nose. You learn from that. And hopefully you learn that at an early age. And Why won't they approve a baseball card ETF? Like what is <laughs> what is the what is the big holdup here? Gens are such a hater. Uh Dude, you're the man. This is the best I, episode ever. This is the best episode. <laughs> you, you, you win. Who, who's on next week? Let's see if they want to top this. Uh, let's get it. Let's get into favorites. Um, Liana, let's go to you first. What What's your favorite thing this week? What do you got for us? Okay, so this is not a new thing, but I did an IGTV about The Slight Edge, which is a book by Jeff Olson. And if you guys are familiar with the 30-day million dollar rule or the 30 day million dollar case what is that? where you have to choose if if you were to choose between getting a penny on day one that doubles every day mm. for 30 days or a million dollars the first day what would you choose the, well i know that i know the math you know the answer the compounding is yeah so much better so what obviously it, it, grow to? it grows to 9.7 million in wow. 30 days so obviously you're getting like 10x your money well, if what you if somebody wait. kills you before then day you got 15 a big, when it's still $8. Then you have a big problem. Right. I just love this book, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. It's really just, it's such a good explanation in, in many different ways of like compounding your efforts and Who not giving for? up. Like anybody it's can It's literally it? for anyone. It's just okay. a reminder that the money doesn't go over a million dollars until the 28th day. Wow. So anything that you're doing in your life or putting time. your effort toward, whether that's compounding your, your friends or compounding your investments or your effort at work, whatever you're doing, a startup is any day could be your day 28. Yeah. You just got to keep going. We did a, Stick you, did, to you did a post Stick about This is my how, most watched yeah. IGTV video I've ever done is about this. You That's did a great. post about how Warren Buffett like made almost all of his money after age 65. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the compounding really didn't go into that like hockey stick. I mean, he was always rich, 
but it didn't get like really crazy until the nineties when he was in his sixties. I love that about like being patient and stuff. But the flip side is like, who wants to be a billionaire? Like when they've just, yeah, but I want to be a billionaire now. now. Yeah. Yeah. I want it today. And that's why you got to get into NFTs. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stay with Instagram for for mine. You guys know who this guy F- Queens Flip is? Mm-mm. No. Oh my god, he's probably breaking the law in every video, but it is honestly the most enjoy. And when he puts up a new video, it's the only thing I like rush to watch. So it's all on Instagram, and he's basically the biggest troll on earth. And he's friends with sort of like every famous rapper, but he runs up on these guys like while they're eating lunch, like or while they're working out. He just appears at their house in the gym in recording studio, rips his shirt off and tries to get a hug or whatever. He's just so out of control. But I can't like I laugh so. Wait, un- what? What's his handle? Queens with a Z. Flip. His name is Flip. So he just runs up to them like this, and like then he'll he gets run attacked? up on Jim Jones from Dipset, oh. like literally in the middle of the street, or he ran up on Benzino in a hotel lobby. The guy's with his wife. And he just will end up on the floor bleeding with his shirt off. I, it's just, I can't stop laughing. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. How often does he update? Just every day. Oh my God. How does he find these people every day? He has like a network of informants telling him like <laughs> Cameron is getting his dry cleaning. Someone's going to shoot him. Oh dude, this is definitely ending in death. <laughs> and when he's not running. Put, is that Jake the Snake? Dude, play this one. Play this one. That's Benzino, who's like a old school rapper. His daughter is actually a really famous rapper now. He just like runs up on this guy in a hotel lobby. He's trying to check in, he tries to hug him. Just, like every one of these videos ends like, wait, wait. Now he tries to hug his wife and it doesn't go well. Watch it. Watch it. Watch this. Wait. Wait for it. Oh, my God. Oh, the hair. So oh if God. I tell you that there are hundreds of these videos, okay? So this is my favorite thing right now on Instagram. Uh, Matrix 4 teaser. I don't want to go deep on this because the whole trailer is coming probably on Friday. So by the time people are listening to this, I'm all in on Matrix. Like, I don't even care if people say this movie's a piece of shit. Like the critics, I'm still going to go. Are you, are you as matrix as I am? I liked it. It's not like my favorite sci-fi movie, but like I'm no, right, no hate. Up. No hate. Are you in? Are you all in on Matrix? I love Matrix. You have to love. I mean, I'm Matrix. going. I'm going to the theater. For no, sure. now, now you can't go. It's uh, coming out on HBO Max. That, that's a travesty. No, it's not. <laughs> It'll be in the theaters. It no, deserves it is. to be I'm on HBO saying, Max. But you, but you can watch it on your couch. That should be illegal. But are you really on your couch while you are where in the Matrix? You, no. Where would you be? Um, I don't know. Is anything real? <laughs> Are you, a, are you a Matrix person? No, I'm not a sci-fi person less. at okay. all. No. All, all right. right. I, I'm reading The Contrarian, which is not a great title. It's a book about Peter Thiel. And what Brian Armstrong didn't do this week surprised me. What the whole ethos is move fast and break things and f*** it. Travis Kalanick doing whatever they want and we'll pick, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll deal with the consequences. I'm shocked that they waited for the SEC to bless their earned product, their yielding product. And Peter Thiel at, at, at PayPal, like, uh, he, this was his, he was the guy that started this whole thing of just do whatever you want. Uh, don't ask for questions, beg for forgiveness. Like that don't was- Don't ask permission. Don't ask permission. Yeah. Beg for forgiveness. Yeah. Like that was, that was him. So- um, but that's Coinbase's whole rep is that they're the crypto people that talk to the regulators. Like that was their whole rep was they hire as many lawyers as engineers and that they are talking to the banks, 
the banking regulators, the tax they all, people. They all have tons of lawyers. They, they have no choice. Got, they, it's, so it's PayPal, crazy. they were, the, they were the, the OGs that broke all yeah. the rules and didn't wait for guidance and just yeah. did whatever they wanted. And Well, that right, because that's the story of really Bitcoin period uh, and, and all of the offshoots in crypto. That's the story of Uber. Like Uber yep. was illegal in almost every yep. jurisdiction it started doing business in. But then it became so useful to the consumers that you couldn't ban it. And I think a lot of young CEOs looked at that and said, that's the that's the way to do this. You get big before they can stop. And by the time they notice you, they can't stop it. So I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. Also, one, one, one more thing. I'm, I'm, I have like a kernel brewing. How we compare like markets today, valuations, et cetera. I think that the ability for companies to go viral has like changed fundamentals. And um, what PayPal did early on was they were like a lost leader. They said, no, 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 we're going to build a gigantic user base and the founder, the, the, the VCs will subsidize our losses. We'll get so big and we'll figure out a path to profitability. So all of these companies are now following that roadmap so that all these companies that are burning money to make comparisons between these companies today that are trying to get to a billion users in 12 months and to compare. And so these are like big companies that are, that are representative in the index and to compare this index today versus the index of the 1960s. I just think it, it's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It so doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's a guarantee. It's a guaranteed money loser to, to like value companies based on metrics that nobody else is paying so, attention so, to. So we could say, listen, you want to compare Kimberly Clark today versus its valuation in the 60s and 70s? Sure, have at it. Makes sense. It's a consumer staple stock. They're selling toilet paper today. They were selling toilet paper then. Yeah. But to compare this index today versus the index 40 years ago, it's just a fool's errand. You look at what Warren Buffett owns, right? If you dig down in the portfolio, it's not the Kimberly Clarks. But he's known as a Kimberly right. Clark guy, right? Right. right. He's Kimberly Clark and yeah. now Snowflake yeah. and Chinese battery companies. I mean, Apple's going to be right. the biggest winner ever, I think, in terms yeah. of market cap. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do we have any more likes? Who, yeah. What do we miss? We so got you. A couple quick shout outs. Um, Anthony Bourdain, I, I loved him. It was just when he got on CNN. Same. It was just traveling, meeting strange people, eating with them, strange food, having great nights. So much fun. Um, I think he had more f bombs than you did on CNN. I'm not. I'm not sure. Is that a challenge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it was so sad losing him. And uh, and then I also watched so Roadrunners out, which is a documentary on his life, which is really really good. And then Joe Bell, uh, have you guys heard about this this movie coming out? Okay. So uh, oh, is that with DiCaprio or no, is that something else? No, okay. it's uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Oh. So both of them are tied to mental health, right? And one thing, you know, I'm not going to get on a bandwagon here, but a couple years ago when COVID was going, we were like young, entrepreneurial, boom, 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 everything online. Dave Nodig comes in, right? And the guy says, guys, you're running fast. You've got some great people. You got to slow down every once in a while. Make sure your people are okay. And my partner, Tom, and I, well, we feel like our heads are on straight, but but you know what? You got to take a deep breath every once in a while and check in with people, make sure they're okay. Joe Bell is about uh, this dad in the Midwest whose son is gay, and he, he's having he, he's having trouble coming to grips with that. And most importantly, it's take a deep breath, understand what's going on, understand your family, because 
in the movie, it, it doesn't necessarily end well, but you learn a lot. And I, after doing that, said, like, life's too short, you know? And you guys are young. You get a lot going on. Hey, the money's going to come. And then I know you all will appreciate families and stuff, but, you know, I'm going to squeeze my kids a little extra harder when I get when I get back, just after watching this. Did you watch it on the airplane? Um, I actually watch it in New Jersey. Where, so I where watch is, it in New where Jersey. Where is this? Where can, where can you watch... Um, it's, it's on, uh, Amazon prime. Okay. Where's Roadrunner? Roadrunner is the, Roadrunner is the Tony Bourdain one. Yeah. Okay. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's I'll definitely great. watch that. I mean, look, that guy had the world by the balls, didn't he? And it, like, it made no sense to anybody from the outside looking in people that didn't know him. Yeah. It made no sense, but people that did know him. Yeah. Knew him in a way that wasn't always caught yeah. on camera. Yeah. So yeah, everyone's always got something. We just have to be more. Right, wait, wait, to way to bring yeah. the ending of the podcast down. Yeah, we really sorry, appreciate. You got sorry. anything else? Do you have any tissues? <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let that go because I'm looking at a Patrick Ewing card and I'll, I have like a tear in my eye and all this tequila and I don't even know I don't even know how to thank you guys so much for coming and Liana, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. I'll see you next week. That's all. Absolutely. Where can people uh, follow? So you're you're big on thirty seven seventy third. <laughs> I know you. You have I a love three hate. Doormen. Be careful. <laughs> I know you have a love hate with Instagram, but that's like your your best platform yes, right now. At okay. Liana underscore H A W K the Hawk. Okay, did you have fun? Did you have fun today? You learned a lot. Yeah. Okay. We had tequila during the episode today, which I appreciate. That's a new thing. And yeah. I got a signed bill. That's a new thing. I'm going home with more money than I came with, and there that's the go. goal in life. Now, which of your five companies should we follow you at? What's the best? Yeah. What, what your your yeah, Twitter? E, yeah, ETF Trends, ETF Database, or uh, on Twitter. Tom Lydon at Tom Lydon on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Okay, all right. We'll make sure there's links to everything. Special thanks to our friends Tom and Liana for coming through. Hope you guys had as much fun as thanks, we did. Guys. That was a blast. Uh, all right. Shout to Duncan. Shout to uh, John. Great job with the charts today, guys. Hey, everybody. If you're into podcasts, make sure you don't miss Animal Spirits. Ben and Mike every Monday, every Wednesday. My favorite podcast in all of finance. Make sure you check out clips from today's show on youtube.com slash the compound R-W-M. We'll see you next time. Tom, this is so ridiculous. All right, so we'll do a little intermission, and then we'll do the next six topics. Right? Does that sound good? Yeah, perfect. You stay. You're like, wait, is he? Monkey suit time for me.